If you have a copy of God's Word, I want you to go with me to 1 Chronicles chapter 29. Our second week of the Blessed Life series. Talking about money, giving, generosity, finances, learning how to live the blessed life. Look at 1 Chronicles 29, chapter verse 10 to verse 14, talking today about whose money is it anyways? Whose money is it anyway? A little bit of context and background. David wanted to build God a temple, but God told him, you're a man of war, you're a man of bloodshed, so you cannot build me a temple, your son Solomon. We'll build the temple. But if you read the beginning of this chapter, David said, Solomon, he's too young, he's too inexperienced. So David decides to take up an offering, and David gives a gener- generous offering himself, and so do the people of God. And then we be- begin reading here in verse 10 to see what took place. Look at be- beginning at verse number Therefore David blessed the Lord before all the assembly, and David said, Blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, and the glory, the victory, and the majesty, for all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Now therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. Now pay close attention to verse 14. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? For all things come from you and of your own. Literally from your own hand we have given you. This is our second week, as I've said, of the Blessed Life series. We're talking about finances. We're talking about generosity. We're talking about how to be blessed. And as I said last week, all of us want to live a blessed life. Last week we talked about that what we treasure determines what is in our heart. Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We said last week that the main reason people struggle with generosity and giving is not a money problem, but a heart problem. Jesus said you cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and money. Well, today we're going to deal with another problem that keeps people from being generous and experiencing the blessed life, and it's what I call the principle of ownership. Too often we mistakenly think that All the money and stuff that we possess belongs to us. And if you think about it, it's been that way since we were children. Nobody has to teach a child how to use the word mine. Look at little children when they're playing with their toys, and if somebody grabs their train or grabs their ball, immediately they go and grab it and say, mine. You don't have to teach them that. For some reason, one of the first words outside of mama or dada is mine. But here's the thing, it's not just a word, it's an attitude. The attitude that if I want it, 
I should be able to have it. The struggle over ownership begins early. Before we learn to walk, dress ourselves, feed ourselves, we learn that if we want it, we should be able to have it. And so we spend the rest of our lives chasing after stuff. And if we're not careful, our whole existence becomes built around getting more for ourselves and keeping others from taking our stuff. You see, the sad reality is that many of us, when it comes to money and material possessions, we're owned by the things that we own. That's why you can ride by some houses that have two and three car garages and the cars are in the parking driveway and all the stuff's in Can somebody say amen? <laughs> we spend our lives making money so we can buy stuff that grows old or breaks down and we have to make more money to replace or repair all that stuff. But let me give you four simple words, single syllable words that'll give you some real financial freedom. Four words that'll set you free from financial bondage. And here they are. God owns it all. And if you'll get that in your mind, it'll set you free from materialism and greed. If you'll understand, God owns it all. The Bible makes it very clear that God owns everything and you own nothing. Well, preacher, I pay the mortgage on my house. I don't care. God owns that home. I've got money in my pocket. I don't care. God owns the money in your pocket. Let me give you some scripture. Exodus 19 verse 5. It's in your notes. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be a special treasure to me above all people. For all the earth is mine. Deuteronomy 10 14. Indeed, heaven and the highest heavens belong to who? The Lord. Your God. Also the earth with all. What does all mean? All that is in it. Job 41 verse 11. Who has preceded me that I should pay him? Everything under heaven is mine. Psalm 24 verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. The world and those who dwell therein. It doesn't just say that the earth belongs to Him. It says that those who dwell in the earth are His. Psalm 89 verse 11. The heavens are yours. The earth also is yours. The world in all its fullness. Notice this. You have founded them. God owns everything. Why? Because He created everything. Well, preacher, we're living in the 21st century and this is a technological age and God didn't create an iPhone and God didn't create an iPad. But listen, He created man and He created man. He gave man wisdom and He gave man a mind. Therefore, iPhones, iPad technology, ultimately it comes from God. So God owns it all. Amen? God owns it all. And when you understand that everything 
comes from God and God owns it all, it makes giving and generosity so much easier. It makes living a life of stewardship so much easier when you understand God owns it all. It doesn't hurt to give when you understand God owns it all. I want to give you three truths this morning as we consider that question, whose money is it anyway? Number one, everything we have comes from God. Everything we have comes from God. If God owns it all, and He does, everything we have comes from Him. Look at 1 Chronicles 29 verse 12 again. Riches and honor come from you. Think about that. Riches and honor come from you. Look at verse 14 again. All things come from you. Look at 1 Chronicles 29 verse 16. O Lord our God, all this abundance that we have prepared to build your house for your holy name is from your hand and is all your own. David, he's taken up an offering from the people for the building of the temple. As I've already said, he's given a great offering himself. He's given gold and silver and wood and valuable precious stones. And in these verses, David acknowledges that everything they had given came from God. David understood that God owned it all. David knew that the gold he gave, it wasn't his gold to begin with, but it was God's gold. He knew that it was God's silver. He knew that it was God's valuable precious stones. Hear me and hear me well. What we have comes to us from God. Everything we have is a gift from Him. We didn't earn anything and we certainly didn't deserve anything. Everything we have has been given as a gift to us. Your life is a gift. Your health is a gift. Your career is a gift. Your smarts and intelligence is a gift. Your strength, your power, your personality, your children are a gift. Your husband, your wife is a gift. Your friendships are a gift. Your possessions, your wealth, your accomplishments are a gift. You own nothing that God did not give to you. Everything you have is a loan from God. But you say, preacher, I work for all this stuff. That's great. You need to work because the Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. But here's the thing, the skills you have, the talents you have, where did you get them? Also, the air you breathed, the health you enjoyed, where did you get that? Let me ask you this, who started your heart? And who keeps it beating? Certainly you're not arrogant enough to think you started it. Who woke you up today? The only reason we're able to do anything is because God. He owns it all. So everything we possess, anything that we're able to do, is because God has blessed us with it. And we've got to understand that. But yet so many people are prideful and arrogant and think that, hey, I did this for myself, but no. 
You, you must never forget that God is the one who blesses you. And that God is the one who gives to you. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 17, 18. Deuteronomy chapter 8. God's reminding the people that when He brings them into the promised land, don't forget me. When you're experiencing blessing, when you're in a land flowing with milk and honey, and you've got wells that you didn't dig and vineyards you didn't plant, don't forget where it came from, what He's trying to tell them. And here's what He says to them. Then you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God that it is He who gives you the power to get wealth. Where do you get wealth from? Because it is God who gives you the power to get wealth. It's God who gives you the power to get money. It's God who gives you the power to go work a job. It's God who gives you the power to be blessed and earn a living. And yet there's so many people who sit back and think, no, I'm the one who does it. That they're the chief of their life and that they're the captain of their destiny. And listen, if it were not for God, you could not do anything. Everything we have comes from God. The only reason we have anything is because God gave it to us. And let me just add this song. If you don't have it, it's because God knows you don't need it. Somebody say Amen. If you don't have a bigger home, it's because God knows you don't need a bigger home. If you don't have a million dollar salary, it's because God knows you don't need a million dollar salary. What you have is what you need because God knows that's what you need. Everything we have comes from God. But here's the second truth I want to give you today. We give because He gave first. It's simple, but yet it's somewhat profound. We're only able to give because God gives first. Think about that. You couldn't put anything in this offering plate today unless God gave it to you first. Look at verse 14 again. The last part of it. All things come from you and of your own we have given you. I want you to read it from the New Living Translation. It's not on your notes. I put this in here after the fact. But look at the last part of it in the New Living Translation. We give you only what you first gave us. You see, our God is a giver. Our God is generous. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And when we understand that our God is a giver, that our God is generous, and when we understand that our God is the one who gave us everything, we should willingly and generously give back to Him. As I've already said, we would have nothing to give had God not given back to us to start with. David says, we give you only what you first gave us. David understood that it was only because of God's generosity that he could be generous. When you understand that it's not yours to begin with, it should free you up to be generous. Let me say that again. When you understand that it's not yours to start with, it should free you up to be generous. I'll say it one more time. When you understand it's not yours, it frees you up to give and be generous. Let me just say it this way. If you were to give me $100, I'd have no problem spending your money. 
If you were to give me your wallet, Brother Jimmy, I'd have no problem taking what's in it and spending it. But if I had to pull out my wallet and spend what's in it, I'm a little more hesitant. Isn't that how all of us are? Let me ask you, Brother Cook, you, Bert, you got any money on you? Got any, you, you got a hundred dollars or anything on you? Yeah. Can I have it? If you got any on you? Sure. I can have this. I can have it. We're going to be good today. No problem giving this to me. No problem whatsoever. How many think Kirk's a generous guy? I believe Kirk's a generous guy. Had no problem giving that to me whatsoever. I believe, I believe that he'd give it to me freely. But here's the thing. One of the reasons he had no problem giving that to me is before service, I gave that to him to start with. And I believe if he had his own, he'd give it to me if I asked him for it. But one of the reasons he had no problem whatsoever pulling that out of his pocket and giving it to him is because I gave that to him to begin with. And so he was freely generous to say, hey, oh, preacher, I'll, I'll gladly give it to you. And when you understand that what you have in your pocket is God's to begin with, you ought to freely say, God, what you've given me is yours to begin with. I'll give it back to you. <laughs> but see, that's the way with everything in our pocket. It's God's. And yet so many times when it comes time for the offering plate to pass, we try to do as minimal as possible. When sometimes God's calling us to do more. But because we have this idea confused, well, it's mine we're holding back from giving what God wants us to give. But when you understand it's not yours, you should freely and willingly say, God, here you go. Amen? Because you wouldn't have it to start with unless God blessed you with it. You see... Let, let, me, let me just say this. When you give, you're simply returning to God what is rightfully His to begin with. And it's not that God needs what you have in your pocket. It's because God wants to bless you. But it's also... God wanting to see if He's first in your life. It should be easy to give away what's not yours. But if you're holding on to it thinking it's mine, you're going to struggle with giving and generosity. And can I tell you something? When you hold on to what's not yours, can I tell you what that's called? Robbing God. That's what Malachi 3.8 says. Look at it. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes 
in offering. If it all belongs to God, and it does, and you hold on to it, you're holding on to what is God's. And God says, you're robbing me. And let me just say this. Not only are you robbing Him of what is rightfully His, let, let me just throw this in here, and I don't think I'll... I, I heard a message preached this way. But listen, you're not only robbing God because you're holding on to what's His, you're robbing Him of an opportunity to bless you. Because he says later in verse 10, I believe it is, see if I'll not open up the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that you can't receive it all. Listen, you're robbing Him of what's rightfully His, but you're keeping Him from an opportunity to bless you when you hold on to what's His. One translation says, he says, I'll pour out such a blessing until it overflows. But no preacher, it's mine, I'm going to hold on to it. Well, here's the thing, if you hold on to it, that's all you're ever going to have is what you hold on to. Because God can't bless what you hold on to. He can only bless and multiply what you're willing to let go of. Everything we have comes from God. Everything we have comes from God. And we're to give because God gave. First, listen, God set the example. We're to follow His example, amen? But here's the third thing. We are to manage what God has given to us. God owns everything, but He has given us His resources to manage and oversee. This is about stewardship. In other words, we have a responsibility to do with God's resources as God would want us to do. If somebody gave you a trust and said, Hey, I want you to manage this and do with it as I would do with it, that means you can't be foolish and do what you want to do with it as you saw fit. You've got to do what they would do with it. That's the same way with God's money. Because it's His. That means you've got to do what God would want you to do with it. You see, what God's given you is a test. You see, money is a test. Stewardship is a test to see what you will do with what you've been given. And guess what? One day, you're going to give an account for how you've handled God's money and God's resources. One day, we're all going to stand before God and give an account for how we've handled the money that's been entrusted to us. So I want you to think about this for a moment. Every spending decision is a spiritual decision. Some of you have never thought about that. But when you understand it all belongs to Him, every time you swipe the debit card, every time you go in the hole in debt, and you're paying interest, and all of the stuff that we do, it is a spiritual decision that we're going to give an account for. Somebody's looking at me. I, I wish the preacher wouldn't go down this road. This is stuff we've got to talk about. Every dollar you spend is either going to be an investment in God's kingdom or the kingdom of this world. 
I, I, I'm telling you, just this week, just preparing this, I'm telling you, just, just God began to hit me with this stuff. Let me ask you, how are you spending God's money? Would God approve of how you're spending His money? Because you've got a lot of believers that every year they're getting newer cars. New hobbies. Funding the things of this world. Well, God's kingdom, God's church struggles. When we can go out to eat and we'll tip a waitress more than we will God's house. Smile at me, it's okay. In fact, it's almost standard now if you go to a nice restaurant, about 18%. And we struggle to give God 10. Well, I know it's a little uncomfortable today, but it's okay. Sharing God's Word. And I'll just say this, it's only uncomfortable if you're not doing it. We've been entrusted with what God owns and we're to be responsible. And if we'd be honest, many times we make foolish decisions with what God's given us. I'll be the first to put my hand up and say, I've made dumb decisions. And we could all put our hands up and say, we've done stupid stuff. You see, outside of being generous, outside of being a tither and a giver, being a good steward is the next key to living a blessed life. Listen, you've got to start with giving. You've got to start with tithing, being generous. But the next step to living a blessed life is you've got to learn how to be a good steward. Let me explain. You can be a giver, but if you're a poor steward, you're not going to live a blessed life. You can tithe faithfully, you can bring your 10% here every week. Put it in an offering plate. But if you go out, start buying new outfits, eating out all the time, and be unwild with the 90%, and stop paying your bills, don't pay your lecture bill, and when you're sitting in the dark on Friday, don't blame God. Amen. And then start complaining, this tithing thing don't work, preacher. Listen, tithing doesn't mean you can be foolish with the 90. Amen. In other words, you can't start tithing and come back three weeks later saying, Preacher, this thing don't work. I've been tithing for three weeks, but yet I've gone out to Belk and Sears and everywhere else and blown all my money and God let my lights go out. Listen, it don't work that way. You pay your 10% faithfully and then pay your bills with the rest and God will bless you and God will help you. But you can't be foolish just because you paid your 10%. Tithing is not some magical formula that allows you just to go out and be stupid. 
the 90 is still his. And you've got to steward it. Is this okay? You've got to manage what God has entrusted to you. Because I've been down that road before of paying tithes and then being foolish with the 90. And thank God by His grace there have been times He's bailed me out, but there has been times He hadn't bailed me out. And I've sat in the dark. Can somebody give me a witness? We've got to manage. Because here's what some people say. If I just had more money than I could give, that's not the answer. It's managing what money you have. Because here's the thing, when people get more money, guess what they're going to do? They're just going to get in a deeper hole than what they're already in. So it's not always more. It's managing what you have. It's not more, it's managing what you have. I said it last week, I'll, I'll, I'll say it again, the average American household is nearly $140,000 in debt. The average credit card debt in America is $6,000. That's an issue. It's an issue. And it doesn't distinguish between believers and non-believers. So it's very well possible that those of us in this house, we've got credit card debt, and that's an issue. And that's why we struggle with being generous. That's why we struggle with doing the things that God wants us to do is because we've got debt hanging over our heads and we've not managed properly what God has given to us. The Bible speaks about it, that the borrower is servant to the lender. Listen, if God has set you free spiritually, don't you think God wants you to be free in every area of your life? He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. I don't think He just wants us free spiritually. I believe He doesn't want us in bondage in any area. Owe no man anything but to love your neighbor. God wants you free. He wants you blessed so you can be a blessing. But we're operating according to the world's system because that's what we've been taught. Because we've not learned how to properly manage what's been given to us. Our nation is what trillions and trillions of dollars in debt that we'll never be able to pay back if other nations come calling. We'll never. Here's what I want us, and thank God as a church, we don't have any debt. The, the, the church people don't have any debt. Thank God for that. But there are churches out there building new buildings, half a million, millions of dollars in debt. I don't, I, I don't know if I could lay down and sleep at night if we had to pay a $1,500, $2,000 a month mortgage. And there are times I think about some families that, that I, I don't know how some families do it. But we're to manage what God 
has given to us. And in my past, I, I, I've made bad decisions. We all have. As I said last week, we live and we learn. And, 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 I, and I've told my wife over the next year, at the most two years, I, I've made it my, my goal, my desire to be completely debt-free. And if I can't pay cash for it, I'm not going to have it. And that takes willpower to have to do that because you see something, it's so easy just to take a piece of plastic, swoop, and get it. And I'll just pay $30 a month on it. But here's the thing, you don't... <laughs> it's foolish. It costs you $100 and you pay the minimum payment. You end up paying $150, $200 for them, so it costs $100. You could sock away $25 a week on it and four weeks later just go buy the thing. And be done with it. But we don't... Delayed gratification is something we don't know. And it's something we don't teach our kids. We don't have patience. We don't know how to wait. But here's the thing. If we can't manage what God's given to us now... God won't trust more to us. And that's the thing we're set back saying, I want the blessed life. I want the blessings of God to overtake me. But if you can't manage what you have now, God won't give you more. And this is why some people struggle week to week. And financially, they, they, they have so many problems. Because they can't manage what they have now. And they're wondering, why ain't God doing more? Why ain't God coming through? It's because you can't manage what you have now. And God can't trust you. That's why when it comes time for promotions at work, sometimes you get overlooked and overpassed. Because God can't trust you. Because a pay raise it just means that you're just going to have a more luxurious lifestyle. God can't trust you. But here's the thing. If you'll learn to be faithful in your giving and manage what God has given you, little by little, God will begin to bless you. And little by little, God will help you get out of debt. Little by little, God will help you pay your bills. And God will get you out of the situation that you got yourself into. Because that's the grace of God. God will help you get out. When he sees he can trust you. But it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to be little by little. But it starts with being faithful and giving. In fact, let me give you, let me give you just a little plan. I didn't put this in my notes, but, here, but here's something that will, that will help if you don't already do it. I, I, I can't always do this, but here's the thing. If you would give 10%, Save 10% and live off the 80. Say, give 10, save 10, live off the 80. I've read some of Dave Ramsey's stuff, but read some of his stuff. He, he, he has a lot of good plans, setting up budgets, how to tackle debt, to, to deal with things like that. One quick thing that he talks about when it comes to debt, credit cards especially, he talks about attacking the lowest balance credit card. 
Not the highest interest, but tacking the lowest balance. So if you've got a credit card with a small debt of 300 attacking it, trying to get rid of it, pay the minimum on the others, but any extra you get, try to pay it off. And then take what you're paying there, tack the next one, and just, until you get done. And get rid of it. He talks about trying to set a $1,000 emergency fund aside. Because here's the thing, you never know when a tire's going to go flat. Something's going to happen. You need an emergency fund. Let me just, I've said this before, but let me just ask this. If you were debt free and had a $1,000 emergency fund just sitting aside that didn't have to be used, most of us could consider ourselves blessed. I mean, really. No debt. All your bills paid, and $1,000, maybe even more, just sitting there. Blessed. All your stuff paid for, and just money just sitting there. I'd be tickled to death. I would. And we can get there. But we've got to learn to manage what God's given us. That means if you get a pay raise or somebody comes along and puts 20 extra dollars in your hand, guess what you ought to do with that $20? Not go to McDonald's and buy milkshakes and get a meal. Put it on a credit card. Pay for something. Put it in savings. I, I, I know this may have been kind of blunt today with some of the things, but this is helpful stuff because God wants to bless His people. We should be the most blessed people on this earth. I, I, I truly believe that we should be some of the most blessed people on this earth. But listen, you can't be blessed operating really so much according to the sports principles. Now some of you are thinking, well, there's multi-millionaires out there that don't follow God, but here's the thing, they're generous people. You want to know why there's people who don't follow God who are wealthy? It's because they know how to give. Because there is a principle, there is a law that if you'll learn how to be generous and give, it'll come back to you. That if you'll sow, you'll reap. That's just the law. See, time harvest time. It works. Let me me just say something here about wealthy people. Most of them don't drive brand new cars. They don't. God wants to bless us. 1 Corinthians 14, 2. Let me give you the scripture. It is required in stewards. A steward is simply a manager. That one be found faithful. When we stand before God, we should all want to hear the words, Well done, good and faithful servant. I don't want to be like the guy who had one talent that when the master come back, you wicked, lazy servant. When he comes back, I want him to say, Scotty, well done, good and faithful. 
I want to properly steward and manage what God has given to me because one day I'm going to stand before Him just as you will. And He's going to say, what have you done with what I've given you? Would you stand with me all over the house, Sister Janice, if you'd come? In closing, I'll leave you with this. Since God owns it all and He has entrusted us to manage it, what are we doing with it? Since God owns it all and He has entrusted us to manage it, what are we doing with it? 